welcome to the latest installment of the Sharp Best Ball Show. I am your host, Todd Burrows, and you can find me on Twitter at BestBallNFL. And I will be joined today by Matt Harmon of Reception Perception at Matt Harmon DFB. I hope I said that right. I want to know more about wide receiver this year as I don't scout them as well as I do running back tape. And I was always impressed by Matt's ability to find wide receivers who would be good before they became popular. In fact, it's the theme for his website, finding people that wide receivers that are good before um, the, the league catches on. Um, and again, I don't know that I said that exactly right. But I'm really looking forward to digging into Matt's process to help us find those crucial wide receivers whose metrics are better than their average draft position might be, as well as hitting on those who are really popular, but that RP reception perception is not quite as enthusiastic about. If you want to learn more, go to Matt's site at receptionperception.com and make sure you don't just look at the cool charts, including the ones we'll show you today, but that you actually read the articles so that the context comes to life. It's only $30 for the year to get all his stuff. And uh, so he's charting everything, you know, a bunch of wide receivers from last year, as well as a bunch of the rookies who you need to know more about. Um, that's going to help us to draft better on our break, uh, best ball sites, including Underdog Fantasy. And speaking of Underdog Fantasy, this show is brought to you by Underdog and the biggest fantasy football tournament of all time, Best Ball Mania 4. Don't know what best ball is? It's simple. You just enter Best Ball Mania on Underdog's slick mobile app, draft your team, and that's it. Yep, it's set it and forget it as Underdog optimizes your weekly lineup to create the highest scoring one. It's here, it's Best Ball Mania 4, and it's your shot at a first place prize of $3 million. Get signed up on underdogfantasy.com or via the App Store and use the code SHARPKIT and they'll not only double your first deposit up to $100, but you'll also receive the Sharp Football Draft Kit for just $1. That includes over 40 exclusive fantasy football articles, which will help your chances at winning the $3 million grand prize. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code SHARPKIT. So let's bring Matt in and try and dig in and help you to win all that money that's out there, Matt. There's so much of it. There doing? is so there is so much of it. I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm I'm really excited about this conversation because you know you you and I have gone back and forth over the years about wide receivers and you know some of what reception perception is is trying to point us to. So I'm hoping we. Can, I mean, hey, that's a lot of pressure. I'm hoping we can help some people uh, point them in the right direction uh, to try to win some of these best ball tournaments, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I. I, I I've just been super impressed, right? And you know, anyone who listens to me knows. I don't just say things because I have a guest. I mean, the work Matt does is really, really helpful. And, you know, you see these charts, and we're going to put up a bunch of them when we're talking about players when you, um, when, when, you know, on Twitter. But you also break down, Matt, uh, Matt the success rate versus the different types of coverage. And to me... That is a very important thing, and you rate them according to everyone else, correct? Correct, yeah. I mean, I'd have to look actually 
at the historical databases again to see exactly how many t- like how many players I have logged since 2014 or how many seasons I've logged of of you know some guys obviously repeat year over year of course but, um yeah right Tyler Lockett of course Tyler uh, Lockett. but you know how many of these guys it's you know it's I think it's like 400 players now at this point you know almost 100,000 routes since 2014 so and I think that's the great part about it is Having, you know, a rubric to when you're watching tape and when you're, you know, studying these guys as route runners and how successful they are against different forms of coverages. And and really it all starts at like what position they line up at. You know, positional archetypes I think are still not really as well understood as they could be within fantasy circles. So having like years of backlog to compare that to, a database to compare that to, I think is really important for trying to figure out where these guys, you know, where they win, where they're good at, and also, of course, then projecting that into the future for fantasy and, and, and multiple years down into their career for some of these rookies as well. Yeah, and, and one thing I like about it so much is we constantly get these nonsensical conversations on Twitter of the advantage of <laughs> versus tape. And what I love about reception perception is you're taking tape and putting it into numbers, right? So, yes, uh, obviously there's some objectivity and, um, and, and things of that nature. But as you mentioned, you've, you've hit on a lot of guys because the data showed it, correct? Mm-hmm. Co- yeah, correct. And, and I'm looking back at it now. It's 400 since just a couple of days ago, it's 419 uh, player seasons in the reception perception database and 50 uh, I was a little aggressive on the route one 53,000 routes you know over the course of, of reception perception history so it is quite a lot of players that's for sure and one yeah one more one more and you'll be 420 uh uh friendly I'm Exactly right. Uh, that would be great. Uh, I wonder who the 420th player is going to be. Uh, that you would got, be, you got you got to pick someone who you know got busted for weed. <laughs> yeah, if only if only Josh Gordon. Not had that they do that anymore. Season. No, now you don't get busted as much. Um, but you know, I, I'm I'm hoping to actually hit 80 total guys, including the rookies, before the season. Because you know what time? You know, this is the time of year, Todd, when we're getting guys you know, popping up in training camp, right? That, um, okay, let's really see how good this guy is. You know, he can, can he really excel in a new type of role? So I'm hoping to get some of those guys. But yeah, just over the course of reception perception history, you know, one of the things that when I originally started the project, and it was about 10 years ago now at this point, uh, when I like started coming up with the idea before putting any content out in the year 2014 is when first, the content first started rolling out. You know, one of the thoughts was obviously, I, I thought that this was kind of... Um, a niche space that nobody was really covering. Like what are wide receivers doing when they run off the screen on Sunday, right? Like you're, if you're a receiver, you're lucky to get 10 targets in a game, like really lucky to get 10 targets in a game, but you're running like 30 plus routes or playing 60 plus snaps. What are you doing? Like somebody should be getting them, giving them credit for what they're doing on those plays, even if they don't get the ball because of factors that they cannot control quarterback play offensive line doesn't give the quarterback enough time you know the play design is designed to go somewhere else but they still executed the route at a high level so that was part of it but also yeah it was like to me I thought we could have a real edge for for fantasy if we could try to find these guys you know that were getting open at a really high level before the targets started to come and and, you know really that first season putting out content was a guy like Allen Robinson you know in his rookie season you know we think of Robinson your your first love my first guy, yeah, it was, was your first love. 
he, no, I there's remember nobody like your first guy. There's nobody like your first. Yeah. And, and for him, it was just his success rate versus man coverage specifically. And I still think that's our best and most predictive metric in reception perception. And we've done, you know, studies to back that up. His success rate versus man was pretty similar to other like NFL star players that I was charting that year too. And, and I think that now is even bet we can better do that now with other metrics because of the multiple players that we have in the database. So yeah, that, that's obviously one exciting thing about it is, is just trying to see these guys pop before the stats uh, follow them, whether it be situation or anything else. Let, let me follow that up a little bit and to make sure that I, I got that right. Are you saying that charting success versus man is more indicative of success than zone or did I misunderstand that? So uh, Josh Scott, who's one of the subscribers to the site, he's a data scientist. Uh, I'm sure I'm getting his actual job title wrong there. But essentially, he's an economist, PhD. Uh, guy with brains. The whole thing. Guy yeah. with big, guy guy with with bigger brain. brain than me. Guy right. with bigger guy, brain guy, than guy, me. Guy with brain. He put, it on, he put a study up on, a site, on the site, and, and is, it's very you know, in-depth and, and academic heavy. Uh, so I would encourage people to go find it. It's just what matters in reception perception. And it, it does kind of depend. Like overall, the answer is yes. Success rate versus man is more predictive of future success than success rate versus zone. But with everything, there's a gray area there, and it does kind of depend. So, for example, this is what I said yeah, about Yeah, it's like, a position. general rule, not right. because every guy – uh, so I, I'm going to follow that, and you can keep your, your the, the train of thought you were going on. But is it because if you can get open with man, you can learn zone? Whereas if you're good at getting open in a zone, you might still not be able to separate against man. I th definitely think that that is part of it. Um, you know, I th and then I think you could also ask yourself the question though, for guys that are zone beaters. You know, we can go for like a hundred different directions here, but for guys that are like zone right. beaters, I'm sorry, is, I'm going no, 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 that's that's okay. This is what I'm thinking about all day long, so it's fine. Um, you know, if for guys that are zone beaters, do they age a little bit more gracefully than these guys who, you know, are working with more quickness and speed and outside against man coverage? You know, a guy like Keenan Allen, I think, is going to be a good test case for that um, this upcoming season. But but what I was going to say about the part of where it depends is it depends on um, where they line up. You know, that's what I mentioned about positional archetypes are so important. Yep. And, and I still think kind of not uh, not totally discussed enough in fantasy circles. So if you're an outside receiver, it matters more if you can beat man coverage than it, do, than it does zone coverage. Um, great example is a guy like Mike Evans, who's never been the best zone coverage receiver because he's playing at the X receiver spot where he runs against a lot of tight physical press man coverage and doesn't have the benefit of working the outside as much. Be the out just because the boundary the sideline is right there he's tethered to that one position it's harder to beat zone coverage from there so it matters a lot more if he can beat man press coverage and then on the flip side if you're a slot receiver or if you're an off-ball flanker receiver uh it matters more it that that's when zone coverage becomes more important and more predictable so for players that are going to beat a ton of zone coverage if they're not the best man beaters but they're also lining up in the slot it doesn't make sense to ding them about their success rate versus man as much as it does for guys who are going to line up a ton outside. So that's sort of the, it depends part of the analysis. Uh, I love that. That was something I did not know and I probably should have and um, helps me to understand not just this conversation, but my continued study on your site. So um, 
uh, you know, and the, the the next question I had was very tied into that. How important is getting open, do you find? In other words, how have your results on guys who get open early in their career or in college led to success uh, versus times where someone can do it, but he still doesn't do much? I mean, obviously, someone who can get over, get open has a better chance of success than someone who doesn't. Yeah, right. Like just in, inherently, it makes sense. Like getting open 100% matters, right? Because if you're not able to get open at a high rate, you know, you're going to, it's tougher to get the ball to those players, period. Um, now, some guys like Kadarius Tony's in the news right now. He's a great example. He's not a traditional route runner. He's not a traditional guy that's going to get open against man coverage. He's, he's even kind of hit or miss against zone coverage. So because of that, these gadget type players, you have to find and manufacture ways to get them the ball. And that's difficult because it disrupts the flow, the routine flow of the offense. Uh, so, so I think it's just inherently important. Now for guys, well, like also, just this, yeah, also I just want to throw in, right? So, I mean, gadget plays typically happen on first, maybe second down, right? Yeah. Third down, you, you're, you're looking to convert. And most mm -hmm. of the time, you're going to send multiple receivers out into coverage and not pick a, you know, your gadget guy is the first read. Uh, so, you know, with with there only being three downs, um, I think that might have something to do with why it makes it even tougher for those guys to get targets. A hundred percent. And we also know, and this comes back to the man coverage part of it, too, that man coverage rates rise on third down. They go up in the red zone. They go up in toward the closer you get to the end zone. So those crucial high leverage situations, that's why it becomes even more important for you to have an ability to beat man coverage. Because if you're just that, if you're, and also man coverage success rate is lower than the average success rate against zone coverage. So that, that just goes again to why that man coverage number is so important to that point. You know, when you look back at the reception perception uh, database, there's really only two guys that have cleared, you know, 75 success rate, 75 percent success rate versus man coverage, and not had like a thousand yard season. And that's kind of an arbitrary number, but it is what well, it is. Well, I gotta ask who they are. There, I will go tell you who they are. One is Sterling Shepard, you know, a guy who just has never been able to stay healthy, and the other is Curtis Samuel, who had like a top 30 fantasy season, but a lot of it was rushing induced uh, with Carolina. Good player, but not really necessarily like a star receiver. Um, you can also look at those, some of the like this, this, the Curtis Samuel stuff. He was not really a zone coverage beater either, and, and so he's kind of a bit of a bit of an enigmatic player. But I think a very good number three there. Yeah, I, I think enigmatic is a tremendous way, um, and I thought they were going to use him better um, in Washington, but so far he wasn't able to stay healthy. Let, let's get to some of these players and some of these charts. Um, you guys, I mean, I, what I've done is I've picked a, a variety of guys that highlight different parts of reception perception and also guys that I have questions on. But again, for $30, go sign up. You know, there's a ton of other players. But Matt, I want to start with Devontae Adams. There was a lot of talk about him leaving Aaron Rodgers and he just had another great year. But what did reception perception show about Adams? And what about what are your thoughts with him with Jimmy Garoppolo this year? 
you know, is it, a, is it, you know, he's falling in drafts. Uh, do you think he should be getting dinged going from David Carr, Derek, David Carr, Derek Carr to, um, just show my age a little bit, uh, Derek Carr to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? So I think this is a great example of why reception perception is a valuable tool. Like literally the goal uh, is to, isolate the wide receiver from surrounding variables. And this was a great test case last year with, okay, is Devontae Adams at all a product of Aaron Rodgers? I think reception perception would have told you flat out, hard, aggressive, no. You look at Devontae Adams, the run from 2018 to 2000. That's a lot of green up on the screen. A lot of green. That's a lot of green. Devontae Adams from 2018 to 2022 is success rate versus man coverage. 79.5%, 78%, 79.5%, 79.6%, 79.5%, 79.6%, last year with the Raiders. Those are all 95th percentile and better scores. You know, the 79.5 and 79.6%, those are like 99th percentile. Those are some of the best recorded scores in RP history. I mean, this is a guy who has been one of the best receivers of his era. Yeah, those 79.6 and 5%, those are the uh the seventh eighth and ninth best scores all time since 2014 then i've been doing reception perception so yeah this guy is not a product of quarterback play clearly a guy who wins on his own and the interesting thing from the route chart there you see his look he's not going to have that same vertical ability vertical deep ball um success i should say with Jimmy Garoppolo, because we know that's not Jimmy Garoppolo's game. He's not going to push the ball vertically, and he's not going to push the ball deep outside the numbers. But the slant route success rate, the curl route success rate, and the dig route success rate that he had are all extremely high, especially slant curl, over 90%, incredibly high, some of the best over the last two years. And when you look at the dig route, though, it was one of his most frequently run routes relative to the NFL average, and he had a really good success rate. Debo Samuel and Jimmy Garoppolo have made a ton of huge plays on dig routes against zone coverage specifically, but also against man coverage at times, running the dig route. And for all of Jimmy's flaws, he will rifle that ball over the middle of the field with no fear. Sometimes it gets him into trouble, but a lot of times he's able to hit those plays. I think those are the moments where you're going to see. He throws slants very well. Slants and digs, baby. Slants and digs. And and I think that that's really going to be where Adams and uh, Garoppolo find their best fit together. And, and the other thing, I love Jimmy Garoppolo coming out, and I loved his quick release. I, and and I think that's something that you want to talk about something that's really underrated in uh, in quarterback play. Because if you can get the ball out of your hand quickly and actually be accurate, you're going to give those receivers a lot more opportunity for run after the catch. Would you agree yeah. with that? A hundred percent. And I think that's Adams had his moments as a yak guy. I think he's still really underrated as a tackle breaker, but he's had a lot of moments as a yak guy in kind of that um, Matt LaFleur version of the offense with the Green Bay Packers. And Josh McDaniels comes from a different tree, but I think Garoppolo's quick release, his ability to win on slant routes, it's going to set Adams up for more yak opportunities than some of the vertical routes he was running last year with Derek Carr, who I think can be a little gun shy at times, but is pretty physically talented, has a lot of arm talent as well to push the ball down the field when he wants to. All right. So I I, I think, you know, basically I've been buying the dip on Adams and uh, there's nothing that I heard here that makes me think I'm doing something wrong. 
Um, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, though, Garrett Wilson um, has been a pretty big target of mine as we've seen how, you know, one thing about Rodgers that I do think matters is, you know, we've heard it for years. He throws the ball to the guys he can trust and yep. he can really just feed a lead guy. Let's talk about your reception perception on Mr. Wilson and if you share my enthusiasm for his prospects for this year. I love Garrett Wilson. I was a huge fan of him from his college reception perception profile when he was an incredible, you know, zone beater, incredible man beater in college, showed an ability to win against press coverage. And he's also, I think the most underrated part of his game is that he's freaky after the catch. Like he's basically Kadarius Tony, but if Kadarius Tony could run routes, he's not quite as like, bendy as tony but he's that good after the catch he's that good in the open open field the best indicator by a landslide for garrett wilson in his rookie year reception perception uh profile 81.2 percent success rate versus press coverage todd the following rookies have hit 80 percent success rate versus press uh since since 2014 in reception perception history CeeDee Lamb, Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Odell Beckham, and now Garrett Wilson. That's not a bad list to be on. No. So if Rodgers can't trust this guy, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. I've been I started pushing him up even to like 111, 112. Um, I think Rodgers is a great candidate for a comeback of the year. Um, mm. you know, they they really, they really didn't let him throw the ball last year. Um, it, it, the last two years, it's been a much more run heavy than historically. And I, I, I am, I am wheels up on Garrett Wilson this year. And I'm so glad that you, um, that you had a similar take on it. Um, I think he could break the league this year. Superstar um, trajectory. No question about it. He, he could, he, if, he, if he's not considered there already, which, I mean, I tough to say after somebody's rookie season, but I think by the end of the season, he will absolutely be in that superstar tier, like knocking on top 10 receiver in the league. And, you know, there's, there's even a receiver from that draft class I, I think is better than Garrett Wilson. So it's kind of crazy. It, it was a great class that year. Well, uh, if I don't ask uh, and we don't get to him, you got to let me know. Um, I will. Is it his? Uh, is it uh, also an OSU guy? It, it just might be. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So um, uh, that's a guy maybe that I should be taking more of. Uh, let's just talk to about it because I didn't have a Chris Olave question. So you you are even higher on Chris Olave than you are on um, Garrett Wilson, or are you talking JSN? Oh, I'm talking. Uh, I'm talking Chris Olave and. I think Olave, I liked him just a little bit better as a prospect, so it does come there. I think that, again, that success rate versus press number from Garrett Wilson's rookie season is incredibly important. And the after-catch stuff, there's no question that, you know, Garrett Wilson's a better yak player than Chris Olave. You know, that that's, that's without a doubt. Uh, that's not really Olave's game. But I come back with, you know, guys like, Olave and Tyler Lockett that go, well, yeah, they're not yards after catch players. Well, who cares? They're winning 14 yards down the field on dig routes. They don't need, you know, on real big boy routes. They don't need these or, like bunny or, hop or catches. Or 25 yards downfield on a bomb. Exactly. Yeah. No kidding they don't have yards after catch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no. I, and, again, I agree. And, and, you know, people, that's where, again, something that I just love the way you do things is, you know, you're balancing all the factors. 
not trying to make a hot take on on you know a sliver of it. Um, so that that's really good. Uh, let's move over to the Chargers. What did uh, reception perception show on Quinton Johnson? Because to me, he was my favorite tape at times. And then he was also at times, you know, I, I felt like he was a guy who plays much smaller than his height, which mm -hmm. is a good thing. But to me, I love secret value. And I always, I thought to myself, man, if this guy could actually learn to play, you know, with his size, along with what else he does, the rim. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he could wreck the league. He's a fun player because I, I, he's, I'm with you that at times he's the most fun receiver to draft. He, enigmatic. We used that earlier. Definitely enigmatic is the, is a, is a, is a player like Quinton Johnston, who I think, you know, his yak stuff might not necessarily translate as well to the league as it did from T TCU, just coming from that conference. You're never sure. And I think there are ups and downs to his reception perception profile, like negatives, you know, success rate versus zone, 12th percentile among college prospects charted for reception perception. You know, I'm, that's I'm, not guessing, I'm guessing that's not good. No, no, not not good. 72.8 percent. Not good. His success rate on curls, on comebacks. Um, on dig routes, pretty low. Like if he's going to be an NFL wide receiver one, those are going to have to jump up. Those are going to have to improve, especially because he's probably going to play as an outside guy. Um, but 85th percentile success rate versus man. Now it only happened on a small handful of routes. Like I mentioned, go routes, slant routes, corner routes, um, post routes. He was good on those patterns. But that's about it. You know, there's still more development that needs to happen with him as a route runner. However, we saw Christian Watson come into the league last year. Very similarly, was a limited route runner. Was a guy who's not going to be a traditional full field separator, but is great in space and can beat you over the top and can beat you on crossing routes. I think Quinton Johnson can be great in space, can beat you over the top, and can win on crossing routes. So... With Christian Watson, it was a slow burn, right? I haven't found myself, like in a traditional redraft sense, you know, best ball is obviously a different animal in and of itself, but I don't know that I'm going to be drafting a lot of Quinton Johnson because I could see him, you know, not getting off to a hot start in the first four weeks or something like that. But after his bye week, later on in his rookie season, I could see him maybe not again being a traditional number one receiver, but being a huge big play guy with Justin Herbert in this offense. Yeah, and – you know, one of the key things in best ball, being, quote, a best ball expert, is, you, you know, it's about value because you need to advance. But it's also about stacking the team so that it has upside week 15, mm -hmm. 16, 17, because that's where all the money is. Right. So, um, you know, uh, the problem is Quinton Johnson going in the seventh, eighth round makes it a little more difficult. I'm, I like the player, but I struggle to fit a lot of these rookies in, but again, if I start three, four rookies and I can have him be my fourth rookie, fifth rookie, and you know, it's going to be a heavy zero running back team. I love that kind of upside. And I think that's kind of what you were saying. I also want to talk more on the chargers because Keenan Allen has always been a favorite of the fantasy community. He's always been great with reception perception, but how did Keenan's uh, RP look last year how much of it do you think was injury? And do you think that is a sneaky upside for Quentin Johnston? 
that's a it's he's a tough player because you're right. I mean, he was a reception perception guy for so long. You know, from 2015 to 2020, he was somewhere between 77.6% success rate versus man and 76.6% success rate versus man. Incredibly consistent and incredibly good. But then in 2021, he fell down to 74.2%. I was like, okay, maybe this is a blip. You know, I mean, it's it's not that big of a drop. 74.2% is still a very high number for success rate versus man coverage. Then last year in 22, it drops down to 66.9%. And obviously, you mentioned the injury. The first four games back were really not good for Keenan Allen from a getting open perspective. Man press coverage especially, very problematic. It did get better. You know, I posted about this in the Discord, which I know you're an active uh, member of the Discord, and I appreciate you yes. being in there. Um, it's uh, you, Those first four games were definitely worse than the last four games in the reception perception sample. Now, when you just look at his overall profile, you put up the route tree there. He's still got pretty good success on slants, curls, you know, those shorter routes. I think that's probably where he has to live at this point. I think he was like about a 50-60% slot guy last year. Um, you know, was he, we need to see him in the slot full time. We need to see him off the line full time. He really can't line up in that X receiver spot at this point anymore. You know, he needs to almost exclusively be a slot guy, 80% slot, 80% off the line. I think he could still get some good years out of Keenan Allen because his success rate versus zone, 79.7%, is not that bad. Great example where we talked about earlier. Like, we can get him in good situations as long as he's a slot and flanker receiver. But I think his days of being like a number one receiver are probably over at this point with the age and, he's, and, and he's being concerns. drafted as one. He's being drafted yeah. in the mid third round on a half PPR site. He's not really been a touchdown guy consistently. He's been a fade for me lately, and I think it was important that we covered that. Let's move over to the Browns. Like I think just last thing on last thing on Keenan sure. Allen real quick is just I think he could catch like 80, 90 balls, but you know, for like 850, 900 yards, you know, the, the big plays are not going to be there. And, you know, Todd, I think a lot of it is that people just look at the box scores last year and like, oh, he didn't lose anything because he was producing. Yeah, but did you watch the Chargers offense? That unit stunk. It's the same thing I have problem with like the Jerry Judy stuff right now. People are like, oh, he was wide receiver, this, that, or the other in full games he played or look at his, you know, yards per route run against main coverage. It's like, yeah, but the offense sucked. Like I, I don't it, when the film doesn't back it up and the offense stinks, I don't really care about your production, right? Because you weren't you were like great. Jerry Judy has a hundred yards when they get blown out by the Rams fifty-one to fourteen on Christmas. It's not as impressive to me as yeah. As if and, you're, because, and, and the reason is, film. it's just and, and the reason is, it's just natural for the defense to not be as intense in the fourth quarter when you're up thirty-five points. And it's easier to put up numbers in those situations. Um, let's talk Browns. Um, I, a lot of analysts, myself included, you know, Deshaun Watson's my number one uh, owned quarterback. Um, mm. And, you know, because he came back after a two-year layoff, looked horrible. Um, you know, but I also, we, we've heard a lot about them throwing more. And I know Amari Cooper um, has been a guy that, you know, RP has been pretty uh, high on overall. And Elijah Moore has been one of your favorites, if I'm not, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're hearing good things out of Elijah Moore. Let's look at um, and talk about that Browns offense and your thoughts on how those two might work together or not work together to, um, you know, fit what the Browns might do. 
Yeah, you're right. Elijah Moore, definitely a heavy favorite uh, of reception perception. And Amari Cooper, you know, he's actually a guy that has been kind of up and down throughout his career in reception perception. You know, he gets kind of labeled as a great route runner. I think he's a very inconsistent player. I think he's got very up and down seasons overall. And then within the course of seasons and games, he's been inconsistent, which is kind of tended 100%. towards these. It's just, it, like, right, people ask, like, why is he a volatile fantasy producer? Well, he's a volatile real-life player. However, last year, I think he had his best season, and Todd, I don't really think it's close. You know, 71% success rate versus man, 71.4% success rate versus press coverage. You know, you see the unbelievable success rates there on out routes and uh, dig routes, post-route success rates really high. That's really where he was able to make money on play-action throws uh, in the Browns' offense. I think that can continue this year. Obviously, it's always tough with him just, again, because of the volatility and the inconsistency with him as a player. But if he's the guy he was last year, he can still have a really big year for the Cleveland Browns. But, yeah, man, Elijah Moore, like, I think Elijah Moore could be better than Amari Cooper. Maybe not this year, but definitely someday. Like, I think he could be a better player. And, you know, you look at his career in reception perception, his rookie season, 75% success rate versus man. Second season, when he was, you know, fighting with the team, all kinds of, like, a disaster situation, 72.7% success rate versus man, and 758 against press coverage. Like, this guy has shown he could beat man press coverage. While playing outside, he's shown he could beat zone coverage inside. He, again, la- this is from last year. His rookie season is incredibly impressive, but even last year as he's beefing with the team, you know, picking fights when you're in the middle of a five-game win streak or whatever it was, not a great idea. But curl routes, dig routes, go routes, all of it, like he can win at all three levels. I really love this guy as a player, and I think they can move him all around the formation to play slot, Z, X, and, you know, move Cooper around too. You can move the other players around. Which helps if both just, of them. Which helps both of them. It, look, if Deshaun Watson's good, if he's not a disaster like he was last year, this offense is really set up to fly. Yep, I love that. Um, you know, I've been buying. When Elijah was in like the 11th, 12th, 13th round, I mean, I, I went through a period where I was taking an Elijah Wood share almost every day. Um, yeah. I backed off a little bit now that he's in the 9th, 10th, but – after listening to you, even though I had read the reception perception, you know, hearing he could be better than Amari Cooper and having the support to back that up, I, I, I'm going to put him back t- uh, to a full buy. I, I really think he's a huge opportunity this year being drafted at the end, you know, as a third, fourth, fifth wide receiver. I, I think the, the sky's the limit and that offense as well. Um, so I, I, I love that. And, you know, another point I want to make, we, you know, one thing that reception perception won't catch and that most analysts won't catch, you know, you can look at what happened with the jets last year and ding him. But for me, I want to separate diva behavior that is normal for wide receivers from diva behavior that is abnormal. And honestly, I while it's obvious he didn't handle it well, he was right. Why wasn't he getting the ball, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he yeah. was open. So, yes, according to the code, he should have kept his mouth shut. But to me, that falls into the category of normal diva wide receiver and because if you avoid every diva wide receiver you're not going to have like 
five of the top eight guys in the league, right? <laughs> like you're not yeah. going to draft Stefan Diggs. You're not going to, you know, guys who, you know, Antonio Brown during his heyday. I think that Elijah Moore's stuff fit more into the normal. Would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, I just, again, I'm with you that like by the code, it's not what you do. It's, it's, it's not how you should have handled it. Right. But he was right. You know, the quarterback play was poor and he was getting open. You know, I mean, he's not as good as Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is just, was a better player. So I understand why things trended towards Garrett Wilson, but look, he's a good, like Elijah Moore, again, just a good player that would have helped him, would have helped him win more games down the stretch if he had been fully kind of integrated in the offense. And, you know, I think the Jets receiver core could use one more guy like an Elijah Moore this year right now. But, you know, they obviously I, I, admitted I, they did. It's all the more reason that I'm all in on Wilson. It's because, you know, I'm not, I mean, Lazard is just a guy. He's a, he's a Jack, he's a guy, yeah. right? Um, and Corey Davis has shown flashes, but he's getting pretty close to just a guy too. Yeah, uh, yeah, although, all right, good. So um, I agree with that. So now let's delve into one of the great mysteries of life, right? You know, w- w- there, there's what happens when we die. There's why certain people are popular politically. And then there's why Tyler Lockett is going <laughs> third behind DK, five ra- four rounds after DK Metcalf and behind JSN. Um, tell us about your your Tyler Lockett love, whether it continued last year, and it, try and explain this mystery. Well, I don't know about the mystery, man, because I'm with you. It's very uh, confusing. And, you know, you see Tyler Lockett, just an ability to win at all three levels, an ability to win outside, an ability to win inside. And, you know, we've talked about Keenan Allen. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Allen Robinson obviously has shown signs of decline, too, another player we talked about earlier. There's a lot of these, like, great receivers from the last decade who, oh, man, they're getting to their 30s. It's showing some signs of decline. Tyler Lockett's not one of them, man. Tyler Lockett, I think, had his best season last year. He had his highest success rate versus man coverage of his entire career, 78.9%. Great against zone coverage, 83.4%. Great against press coverage when he saw it at 77.8%. Like, he was awesome. I I was kind of hoping that him having that year with Geno, you know, without Russell Wilson would kind of cement, like, no, this is a top 10 NFL receiver. This is not like a an inconsistent guy week to week. Russell Wilson was an inconsistent, inconsistent week to week passer like Tyler Lockett's boom bust nature, which obviously we don't care as much about in best ball, but it's always a thing people are complaining about in fantasy. He wasn't like that last year with Geno because he had a, just a more traditional NFL quarterback. And I, I think Lockett is, is special, right? And I, I maybe that, that would be the only argument of why you'd want to take him so much later than DK who I like. I think DK is a great player. And I'm, great I'm, receiver. Great receiver, and, and, but I think you can JSN, make an argument that Lockett has, and, and yeah, JSN is a great pro- prospect. JSN but, did very well in your reception perception. But like, but, uh, I think you could make an argument that Lockett has been the best receiver on that team for the last three years, and there's and no signs of a goes, decline last year. And he always goes two to three rounds later. It is one of those great life mysteries. Um, <clears throat> you know, you've mentioned Russ twice now. Well, once in the Denver offense once. Uh, Let's talk about two players who reception perception might want to make you uh, hit the brakes on a little bit. 
Um, and one already, I mean, I wrote this question before the breaks hit hard on one of them, but the two guys, as I went through reception perception, that there were significant questions about one was Jerry Judy and the other was Kadarius Tony. Now let's not worry about the fact that Tony can't stay on the field, but talk about both of these guys and why the reception perception just doesn't back up the hype. I like Jerry Judy as a player, but I think he has gotten significantly overrated of late. Um, and I think a lot of it is that his collegiate resume was, oh, this guy's a great route runner. He's a great technician. And he started off pretty good as a rookie. Uh, his rookie season you know, was up there around 75% success rate versus man, which I mentioned was a really important indicator. But he has slipped in each of the two seasons following. He has 70 0.6% success rate versus man last year is not a bad number, but he had a fifth percentile success rate versus zone. You can you can throw some of that on the coaching, and I don't think they were doing great stuff there in Denver, right? But he also wasn't necessarily running a full vertical route tree. He was running a lot of flat routes, running a decent amount of digs and outs and you know more intermediate stuff. I just think he is, a, he is much like Amari Cooper, but a much more drastic degree He's an inconsistent player, a volatile guy who's more of like a splash big play threat than a down-in, down-out consistent route runner. And the thing about Judy with this year, like I agree that Judy's the best receiver on the Broncos roster, but he's going off the board like 39th overall player, like 39th overall player in best ball drafts, like a top 20 receiver with a bullet. And, you know, guys like Cortland Sutton, I don't think Sutton is great, but I don't think he's – like an XFL player, you know, I was out on him last year. I was out on both of these Denver receivers last year because RP just wasn't backing up the, the hype, right? Like you said, and I was skeptical of Russ coming to Denver. I didn't know that that was going to be an instant hit. Obviously, it went even worse than I expected, but Sutton the, the is still only, like the a, only hit. The only hit was Russ getting hit and sacked um, over and over again, over and over again, yeah. So uh, really, it's like I think Sutton is an average starting X receiver. I think Tim Patrick is like an average number three kind of slot utility man. You know, they have Marvin Mims in the mix. They have Greg Dulcich in the mix. I just think it's tough to make the math work for Jerry Judy to get the volume that his like that would overshoot the talent that he is. So I just don't see it at all. And by the way, we're talking about this. He's I know that Sean Payton is about as big an upgrade as you can get from Nathaniel Hackett, but he's still got the same quarterback, Jerry Judy, that he did last year. You know, So it's not as if he's got some big quarterback upgrade coming either, even if Peyton think, makes things easier. So really just like nothing matches up with Judy. And, and, and for Kadarius Toney, he's just never played real wide receiver. He's never been a route runner. He's never been a consistent technician. You know, his success rate versus man and press were both below 55% in his first two seasons. Last year with the Chiefs, he was running almost exclusively, you know, look at you look at the route percentage chart. Look at how high the screen is, look at how route the how high the flat percentage is and how high the other percentage is. That's just all like designed close to the line of scrimmage stuff. And by the way, Kadarius Tony can be really good in that role for the Chiefs because he's a yep. great tackle breaker. He's freaky out in space, but what do we just talk about the gadget stuff? Like you're not designing an entire offense. You're not designing 130, 140 targets around that player. Like this stuff that he's going to be the number one receiver on the team. Like if that was going to be true, he'd have to be doing stuff we have never seen him do either, either at Florida at in first year with the New York Giants or last year at the Kansas City Chiefs, certainly. So even before the injury, I was like all the way out on that guy uh, from a fantasy perspective.
Yeah, I mean, I took a little bit with Mahomes, um, you know, but um, I, I was packing my Sky bags pretty heavily. Yeah. And Sky was three or four rounds later. Um, the I don't have a, a chart up, but, um, I mean, Sky was a very raw coming. You know, it's funny, these post-type sleepers. Sky was so obviously raw from a small school, and everyone just put him in this a role that he wasn't ready for. Now that he's got a year under his belt and they let not one, but two guys who started, you know, played a lot of snaps and Miko Hardman and, and um, Juju Smith Schuster are gone. Uh, We've heard that he's played all three positions last year, which to me signals that they see him as that guy possibly um, your thoughts on Sky Moore and how did his R, um, his RP show out? Yeah, you mentioned the playing all three spots. That was a big part of his reception perception profile was he was playing a little bit of X, playing a little bit of slot, and playing a little bit of flanker. They're basically trying to get him up to speed with the NFL game because you're so right that this is a guy coming from like Western Michigan, right? Like going from Western Michigan to Andy Reid's offense. That's like moving to a foreign country, trying to, you know, learn the language and also trying to figure out how to drive on the right side of the road. That's and, and work a lot a full, for and work a full-time job. And work a full-time job. That that is like that's a lot to process for a rookie receiver. So, like there's this whole kind of like face planter theory for rookie receivers, which I think is nonsense when there's a good reason why the guy didn't produce. And there's a good reason why Sky Moore didn't produce. By the way, you know, his most likely best role in the NFL is as a slot flanker off the line guy, but that's Juju's best role. And I know people talk about Juju like he's just he's trash because he was overrated after that second season, another thing that I pointed out at the time, but he he's not a he's like a fine respected NFL veteran who could beat zone coverage. Sky Moore is a as that raw rookie receiver is not just going to come and take that role in year one from Juju. That was never going to happen. So, but now that Juju's gone, that role is available. I really like Sky Moore as a guy who can win on those short to intermediate routes. You know, is he going to get like 120 targets and be a top 20 fantasy receiver with Travis Kelsey in that offense? Probably not. But I do love drafting him, and I will probably rank him ahead of consensus when the time comes. Awesome, awesome. Um, so many uh, more we could do, Matt. But let's focus on which are some of your favorite sleeper wide receivers to make to take the next step and to, and, and and make that you know put in a couple guys who are veterans and a couple you know because the hype on these rookies is ridiculous. You're paying top dollar for Jordan Addison, <laughs> Quinton Johnson, and I can't do it. I, I just don't have a lot of those guys. That's not how I do it because. Um, I like to have a floor and a ceiling, and I don't. And I think those guys are being drafted near, especially Addison, who's in the same yeah. offense as uh, Jefferson. I, I mean, where's those targets coming from? Where he's going to crush his ADP? Uh, I don't see it. Um, but give us a couple of the later rookies that you think. You know, you mentioned one of my favorites in Mr. Mims. Uh, give us a couple of like the, who's the next tier that you think might be ready to break out? I definitely think a couple guys to highlight from a rookie perspective is Zay Flowers. You know, one, obviously he's a first round pick. People know who Zay Flowers is, but I'm a huge Rashad Bateman fan. Um, I've been a fan of Bateman since his collegiate reception perception profile. Um, I think if all things were equal and all these guys are going to be healthy, I think he'd be the best receiver on the roster this year. 
but we know that Bateman's already kind of had a rocky start to the offseason, so you kind of have to hedge your bets a little bit there. And I love Zay Flowers as a prospect. 73.1% success rate versus man, 72.7% against press, and he's a smaller guy, right? But he can play all three receiver positions. You see him making big plays at X, flanker, and slot as a collegiate player. Um, a little bit mistake-prone, will drop some passes, but a great explosive route runner and really good after the catch. I think Zay Flowers could be that guy that – pops in the back half of the season and he's um, reasonably priced yeah i think you know, like i want to leave every draft this year with at least one of those ravens receivers because i love all I love three that. of those guys even even beckham, even beckham you know i was just gonna ask you i just warmed up to obj he he you know i mean his, the last i read he you know he wasn't bad as a receiver the last as bad as it you might think as a receiver the last couple of years now you're talking 10th 11th 12th round and i was a hard fade a lot of guys like me were a hard fade um so embellish on obj a little bit for us beckham is just you know he's another one of these guys that you look back at reception perception history and he has some of the best scores you know he still has the number one success rate versus press score, score from his rookie season like in reception perception history, 86.7%. And like people say, oh, he's never he's never going to be that guy again. Well, yeah, no kidding. He's never going to be that guy. That was like five years or that was, you know, how many years ago was that? 2014. Yeah, it was forever ago and, it, you know, a billion injuries ago. But when you last saw him in 2020 and 2021 with the Cleveland Browns and obviously then in 2021 with the LA Rams, I maintain that he was a really good receiver isolated from surrounding variables, especially, you know, in 2020 with the Browns, 76.5% success rate versus man, 80 against, 80 against zone and 80.4% against press in 2021. Some of these are games with the Browns. Some of these are with the Rams, 72.3% success rate versus man, 81.5 against zone. He's still really good. Like he was really good. The last time we saw him, it just, obviously we have another injury question. He hasn't played in a year. If he's that guy, though, with Lamar Jackson in this wide open, potentially offense, like, yeah, we're talking about a pretty good player here. So I, I'm okay. Like, you could tell me that any of three of these guys lead the wide receiver room in, in, in targets and yards and catches and touchdowns, and I'd believe it. So I just want to take my shots on Bateman. I take my shots on Flowers and take my shots on Odell Beckham because he's definitely, last we saw him, was still a very, very good player. I. I, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of Isaiah Likely's. I know you don't do tight ends, but he's another guy who can get open. Um, yeah, I, I think I think the wheels are up on that offense, and I think that could be the title of this episode, Draft the Raven, wide receiver in every draft. Um, let's see. Give me one guy who has, in, the, in those double-digit rounds, uh, I know you're not done with RP yet, but is there a guy who, whose RP in the NFL last year was better than people realize? Yeah, Nico Collins. Um, I really like Nico Collins as an X receiver prospect. 71% success rate versus man, uh, 74.5 against press, which is a really good number. And I think he was kind of starting to break out last year, Todd. He just ends up having that groin injury and like this guy literally played games with Kyle Allen last year. I mean, come on, Kyle Allen. What are we doing here? Now he's going to get a big upgrade in CJ Stroud. You know, we typically don't expect rookies to like maximize guys. South Park. I, honestly, you might have been. You might have been. Um, so I, I think like Nico Collins kind of fits in that X receiver bucket. 
of a player that I really like, uh, you know, who can take that sort of next step with CJ Stroud. And I also really like Jacoby Myers too. And like, nobody's really thinking or talking about Jacoby Myers. One but... of my favorite uh, guys to draft in that range. Just so solid. And, so and solid. You... Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. All right. So we got two really good ones there, guys. Um, I've come around on Nico Collins after reading reception perception. I had heard a lot of the, my peers talk about him. And it, what got me to start drafting him was the um, the RP. Um, and, you know, he is, um, you know, I, I like CJ Stroud more than the consensus, I think. Um, so I love those two. Um, last thing I want to ask you, uh, well, let's do a, a quick one and then we'll do a last thing. You know, we talked about some wide receivers who 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 does don't stand up to the hype. Um, are there any similar guys who showed warts? I want to just get your thoughts on Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. Just give me a short, uh, you know, thought on whether you, th- you know, what RP showed on those two guys. Yeah, with Michael Thomas, uh, only a three-game sample, obviously, but it is up on the website. And, you know, the ability to beat man and zone coverage is severely declined from those from those peak seasons. And he was once, like, a great, great performer in reception perception. Uh, his 2018 season, I, th- I think, still believes I – I believe it still ranks second all-time in success rate versus man coverage. So it's quite a fall-off for him. You know, Hopkins – Definitely a guy that slipped a little bit against, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a little bit of a decline with him, but still very good last year at beating man and press coverage. Um, his success rate versus man coverage at 72.2%. Success rate versus press of 72.9%. I think he can still be like a fringe number one receiver. Uh, I think he's going to put a clear ceiling on Traylon Burks, who I, I still am like kind of not, not sure how I view Traylon Burks as an NFL player. So um, I think Hopkins is still not at the, definitely not at the prime. He's obviously declining, but he can still get open at a pretty high level, especially short and intermediate. Yeah, I, I, I had a lot of Michael Thomas last year, and I've been fading him pretty darn hard, even though he's a little cheaper, because I don't see that upside that was once there, mm-hmm. right? I was chasing that upside and reception perception. Again, it's good to have your own thoughts, and reception perception helped me to confirm what my eyes saw like watching Michael Thomas. He was way more touchdown dependent. He, you know, he just wasn't open. And I don't think Derek Carr likes throwing to guys who aren't open. Um, I don't think he has that kind of confidence. Um, and last thought on that. I, I mean, I agree with you. And I think all I'm hoping for from Michael Thomas this year is that he's good enough to be viable so uh, that the offense can be good, and but that's just better for Chris Olave. Oh, Chris Olave. Really yeah, correct. I like Rashid uh, Shahid. Um, Me too. I don't think, do you? Yeah. I, I, was, I, I was very impressed with his tape. Yeah, just a few games sampled right now for him. I'm hoping to get a full profile on him before the season starts, but kind of like John Brownish a little bit. And people who follow followed reception perception uh, for years know how highly I viewed John Brown. So I I, I loved John Brown back in the day, and I it, it, Rashid Shahid was a very very early target for me in best ball. In early best ball, I was running about twenty percent Rashid. He was so cheap. He was just like free at yeah. the end of drafts. Um, all right. So last thing I wanted to ask you, 
Reception Perception had a baby, so to speak. And that baby is new content in the form of another position. I have not gotten a chance to read it yet, but I know you're very excited about the edition. Discord, which again, Matt mentioned it, when you join Reception Perception, you get access to Matt through his Discord. Tell us about what is new at Reception Perception. Yeah, so kind of a random idea. Uh, I've known Derek Klassen forever uh, on Twitter. I mean, like since the beginning of my time on Twitter. I know he's done great work with quarterbacks, and he's done a lot of charting work with quarterbacks. And I saw, you know, a few months ago that he was leaving Football Outsiders, and we know a lot of people have left Football Outsiders since then. But I just kind of saw the post and was like, you know, be kind of cool if like Derek could chart quarterbacks for us, since I'm charting wide receivers. And people are always interested in adding me, me like doing tight ends and other positions. I'm like, I got enough going on with the receivers, but to find another guy who is spending as much time as I am with wide receivers that is spending that much time with quarterbacks and be able to add that charting data to the site. And by the way, like I've, I myself have only just started to dive into it because I had the idea and then pass it off to James Coe and pass it off to our web manager, Zach Miller, who's just like literally the goat. I was like, all right, let's see if we can make this happen. And, you know, it, you know, it, it, it did happen and it's been great. So I've just started to like, look at the data myself. Zach has been more like kind of forming it to the point to getting into the website, but Derek just did tremendous work on these quarterbacks. And, and like, I don't know if I, you know, if people think this when they see my data, but when I saw how much Derek was charting, I was like, Oh my God, this is a lot of stuff. This is a lot of work. So there is a ton on the site now about sort like about the, the quarterbacks and, and the sortable data tables, the player profiles right now. He's got five guys that he views like in that elite tier, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, the, the top level guys. And then he's got at least, I think 20 coming uh, to the site. So pretty exciting times. I am as a subscriber, when you sign up and you think you're getting a good deal and then more comes than what you even anticipated, a whole new position group. Finding edges, finding people before they're famous, finding Matt Harmon and now Derek. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this. You know, I, I normally don't gush over much, but I am just such a huge fan of what you're doing and how it's helping my game. And um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, I appreciate you having me, Todd. And and yeah, I think I just couldn't be more excited about reception perception right now. And, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great football season. You know, I host the Yahoo fantasy uh, football podcast five days a week. So I'm a busy guy. I love staying busy, uh, but I, I hope people enjoy the work I'm putting out there, man. Cause I, I sure enjoy doing it. The, the now married two dog moved back to the East coast, Matt Harmon at Reception Perception, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's going to do it for this week's show. I wanted to thank Matt again. I want to thank our friends over at Underdog, and we will see you next week.